This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. Welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. I am at C. Celine, and we are back again to talk about episode nine of season two of Mr. Robot. And I am joined by both of our lovely ladies tonight. Southern Cynic is here. Say hey, Southern Cynic. Hi. <laughs> Welcome back, sister. <laughs> Welcome back. And hey, Akira. Hey, how are you? Uh, we're good. We are good tonight. So um, we are here to talk about episode nine in it five. And um, last week we had a um, in-depth conversation about Darlene and I put a poll out there to see um, which one of the lovely ladies should we focus on tonight. And it was pretty close for a while. Um, it was pretty much a three-way tie up until um, maybe like the last hour or so. And then Angela actually edged out for the win. So we are going to be focusing on Angela tonight in our um, discussion. So I hope you ladies are ready to talk about some Angela. So let's, mm -hmm. let's get into this. This is a um, jam-packed episode, and we only have three more episodes left after this, and then we're just going to have to wait it out until season three starts. So we're going to have to enjoy these last few. Um, so episode nine is in it five and Elliot explains to us that in it five is basically your, um, a return to normal or restoring connections. And, um, we get to see this with him, but the episode basically starts with a flashback to the end of season one. And we get to see how Elliot ended up in jail in that whole process. Um, he basically lets us in on what's been happening with him and we get to see also the birth of the red wheelbarrow so um elliot gets arrested and it's actually has to do with um when he was blackmailing krista's terrible boyfriend who ended up being married and stole his dog um the scene where he is initially arrested and the cop is asking him all of these questions like um, are you suicidal? Are you on any medications? Um, how are you feeling right now? And Elliot is like, great. And it's, it's just so Elliot that he is, you know, you can tell he's going through some things. He's making some decisions and he is basically shocking us when he pleads guilty to this crime. What were you thinking Southern cynic when you saw Elliot making these decisions at the court case, being, you know, going through that intake process at the jail, all of that. I was just thinking that I was glad that I finally got to see how did he get there and who was knocking on the door. <laughs> but at the end of it, I think I was just as surprised as Mr. Robot when he said that uh, he was guilty, like, what are you doing, Elliot? What is the plan here? Did you have a plan going into all of this? That <laughs> Did you not realize you would be in jail for however long, you know? But um, 
it was it was nice to see you know i got up to see a little rami but so you know <laughs> he's so tiny he's so tiny i i felt like he looked shocked like when he actually showed up in jail like this there was like this little smile on his face almost but when old dude was like no take off all your clothes <laughs> you know bend and spread them you know that's like when it gets real when somebody wants to see in your orifices what did you think akira well um definitely a long enough wait to find out who was behind the door um, but then again, with um, the prison theories running amok ever since the season premiere, it's pretty much like, okay, no surprise, obviously, who's behind the door at this point. Uh, but yeah, it was a head scratcher to just see Elliot put himself in this situation. Like, what are you doing? You know, you guys just finished the hack and in, going off of what, uh, what he was saying when we saw him transform into Mr. Robot, um, he was saying that, okay, after the hack, you still have to do this. You have to. Um, continue to uh, do away with the public's confidence in them. And it's just, well, um, you're obviously not going to be able to do that from inside a cell. Um, And then again, like as the whole process just goes on, you get, I think you begin to see, um, to see reality set in, settle in for for Elliot for what it is he's exactly doing. Um, I mean, I'm not sure um, if he had any idea of what it would be like. Uh, the the severity of what it would be like. Um, but yeah, I guess as he just um, comes to grips with his decision to do this, to put himself away, um, accept fault for what he did. Um, because also this is, he says that this was his way of coping with um, finding out that he is Mr. Robot and everything. So he just went to such a drastic measure, but he was saying, okay, I needed, I needed this in order to get better. Um, but then of course the question that begs the question, is he better? Um, Mm -hmm. because he's been able to isolate himself from that environment that he needed to be away from. And now he's back to back, you know, gone to an even more intense environment where obviously Mr. Robot was not going to go away easily and has not gone away. So now he's being put back out into the environment that uh, essentially led to the creation of Mr. Robot. So it was interesting to watch. The thing that um, kind of stuck out to me is when they're doing the intake and um, the guard says, are you going to harm yourself? And he says, no. And I just found that so funny um, because, you know, we we all read the red wheelbarrow in some form or, or another. And once again, if you haven't read it or listened to it, we would strongly encourage you to because it gives you a wider view of what Elliot was going through while he was in prison. But the fact that he says, no, he's not going to hurt himself, but literally that is all he's doing the entire time he's in jail because Mr. Robot is attacking him throughout his stay in jail, you know, especially at the beginning when he's trying to establish his routine, which we get to see Leon suggest to him that he have a routine and while he's incarcerated, but, you know, just the fact, no, I'm not going to hurt myself, but we, we know the terrible things that Mr. Robot AKA Elliot did to himself while he was in jail. So I just, 
you know, find that so interesting just to think about. Um, we got to see Hart Carla. We got to see basically who everyone has been in Elliot's fantasy. And once again, just seeing the length that Elliot goes through to try to cope with what's going on in his life. And then um, we get to see him released. I was really touched by um, Darlene being at the jail to pick Elliot up. What did you think about this reunion between Darlene and Elliot Akira? Ah, uh, well, the re uh, the reunion between the two of them. Um, um, I mean, if anyone, you kind of. Um, I mean, not to say that we're expecting a huge party of people to be waiting for him when he gets out, um, but you know, to see that it is Darlene that's waiting for him it was nice to see that because you know that's family and everything, and interesting enough considering the fact that he has forgotten her. Um, um, one or two times, who knows how many times really. Um, but I think what really stood out to me with, um, with Darlene being the one to meet him is that she, after, she, you know, that she essentially goes and hugs him. And of course, um, given what we do know about um, Darlene's relationship with Elliot, you know, he kind of just just like stands there for a minute and I'm thinking to myself, boy, hug your sister, you know? <laughs> um, you know, so, but again, I mean, it was really, I mean, it was a bit touching when he finally did that. It's like, okay, yes, you know. Um, but then also, that being said, you're kind of wondering, okay, what sort of catalyst does Darlene serve in terms of um, um, Elliot's relationship with Mr. Robot or his being able to control Mr. Robot? Because we did see her earlier on in season two at one, at one point in season two say, well, I need him right now. Yeah. Um, so, so again, I mean, he was able to isolate himself from that world and now he, he's back in it. So who, you know, how, who knows how long it'll take before, um, things start going left again, um, which, you know, we see it does, it pretty much starts going left as soon as pretty much as soon as he's out. Um, more yeah. Or less. yeah. So, um, yeah. So Southern Cynic, what do you think? I have my thoughts, but what do you think, um, Darlene was whispering in his ear? when she was hugging him hello? Um, basically, to bounce off what Akira said, she's the catalyst for him being in this whole mess to begin with. So after their sweet moment, after Elliot gets his french fries, okay, that's over with. We got business to do. I need Mr. Robot. So she's whispering something in his ear to get all of this started again, and he's barely... 10 feet away from the prison. That's true. So, That's yeah, true. So I, I have to ask her, what, what exactly did she say? Was it about the dark army? You know, um, was she saying something about Angela? I had no idea. And I meant to turn on the closed captioning just to see if they would put it in there. But it, they God. didn't. They didn't. It yeah, says, no, they, it says yeah. inaudible. It's inaudible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come on. I can't yeah. read lips, people. <laughs> I thought yeah, somebody wants that to be a mystery. Okay. So, um, so let, let's all pretend that we're Darlene and we're going to whisper in, <laughs> in Elliot's ear. I'm going to go first. This is, okay, I'm Darlene and here I am like, Elliot, I killed that bitch Susan Jacobs. 
<laughs> That's why I, I would just feel like she would tell him that off the bat. Like, remember that bitch, Susan? I taste her. She's dead. Oh, no. That's my thoughts. What about, what about you, Akira? If you were Darlene, what would you be whispering in Elliot's ear? Uh, man, I pro- she'd probably have to go through a laundry list of stuff that's going on. Um, the house, the smart house is burnt um, about Mobley and Trenton. By the way, Susan Jacobs is, Susan Jacobs is dead. Um, oh, um, this and that. Oh, by the way, we're being tailed by the feds and all that. Um, but other than that, how are you? <laughs> uh, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> she probably didn't even take a breath. Like, yeah, like, did I leave anything out? <laughs> okay, okay, Southern Cynic, you're Darlene. What are you going to tell Elliot? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Elliot, I'm sorry. I'm sorry those french fries were cold and I could have bought you an ice cream cone, but you know how McDonald's is. The machine is always broken. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was as simple as that. Well, you're not lying about that machine always being broken. (laughs) No, ma'am, you are not. You are not. It could have been as simple as that. It could have been as simple as that. Oh, I love it. Oh, gosh. But we we do know that Darlene does tell Elliot about Trenton and Mobley because they're on the subway and she's, you know, kind of, they love to talk in public, Lord. So they're on the subway talking and there is a person across from them that they believe are tailing them. I don't know if they're being tailed by all these people or if it's paranoia. I don't know. But they end up at the um, facility that their mother has been staying in and Darlene has no intention of going to see her. But, you know, Elliot decides to go see his mom. Southern Cynic, what was your first impression when he walks into the room and, and we see present day Mrs. Alderson for the first time? I, when I was watching it, I was trying to recall if, at any point anybody ever mentioned her actually being ill um is she ill is she just not talking to him i i couldn't really tell and if that was you know maybe that was intentional but i I just don't understand why elliot would even bother trying to have some kind of relationship with her Mm -hmm. if he knew all along gone through in her childhood, being treated how she was with his mother. Why establish any kind of connection with her? I would cut her off. I mean, if it was me, I would cut her off like Darlene did. You know, that's your sister. Why would you go to communicate with her abuser? I I just don't know. Even to thank her in some kind of crazy way for helping you get through prison, through your delusion. I just I don't understand why he would even bother with her. Hmm. What do you think, Akira? What do you think about that? Um, well, to, to, um, I'm, all, I'm in agreement with Southern Cynic um, in watching this scene again um, and just, notice, like, just noticing how she doesn't talk or barely responds in any type of way. Um, 
you know, wondering, um, has something been done to her to put her in that particular type of state um, where she's not really responsive um, to anything, really? Um, yeah, um, so that's what I was wondering with that, too. And then also maybe with Elliot feeling maybe, maybe with her being in that type of state, either through someone doing something or who knows what, um, maybe he felt better in terms of interacting with her because he knew that maybe she couldn't physically or physically do and say or do anything to, um, I guess, cause any more damage to him in that, um, within that conversation. Um, but yeah, um, but also maybe to, you know, maybe to just like, you know, maybe that scene also could have been what exactly what it is for him to say, that it was because of you being the type of person that you were to me, the type of mother, I was able to survive this situation being in jail because of you. Um, and also maybe in some way kind of to get her to admit in some way, even though we, again, don't physically see her or hear her say or admit any type of guilt or sorrow uh, or um, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, seeking any type of forgiveness for the way that she treated them. Um, you know, um, you know, for just Elliot to kind of, in that sense, kind of have that scene in some sort of way to serve as a way for him to be able to confront her, um, in relation to how she treated them during their childhood. So that's pretty much what I was able to get from it. Well, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of kids who dealt lives in abusive homes and things like that. And it's all often surprising to me that these kids still cling to their mothers, even when they are the perpetrators of physical abuse, neglect, et cetera, they still want that attention or that affection or that relationship. It takes a lot for them to just cut that off. And from what Elliot has shown us of his childhood, we definitely know that Darlene was physically abused. Did we, I mean, other than him being pushed out the window, I know it's not other than, but other than his dad pushing him out the window, either on purpose or accidentally, do we know of any other episodes where he was physically harmed? I know he was verbally abused by his mother, but do we know if he was physically abused did have we seen that or has he yeah in the pilot yeah in the pilot episode uh when we see him um crying um and and talking about how he wish he could hold in his loneliness and then saying you know what do people do when they're this depressed you know reach out to friends or family and then we see him looking out and we see um uh you know see it acting out before his eyes, um, a, a memory of him and his mom. And his mom is, I think, taking, like, uh, snatched the game console out of his out of his hands and kind of, like, forcing his arms down. And she has a cigarette in her mouth. And we're all, uh, I know a lot of people, me and oh, me included, were thinking, oh, my God, is she going to take that cigarette out of, her, yeah. out of her mouth and burn him with it? Um, so we saw that. Um, I mean, we just up to the point of her just, like, oh, holding down his hands his arms to the table forcefully. Um, so that's as far as we got to that. Um, mm-hmm. But it does allude to the fact that it does allude 
to the to the assumption that there was abuse from her as well. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, with the abuse, I can see him still wanting that relationship, still wanting that approval. Because, I mean, we've talked a lot about Elliot wanting to caretake or help the vulnerable. And now his mom is in this situation where maybe she has dementia. Maybe it's the side effect of medication. Maybe she's just being stubborn. Maybe it was just... Elliot's point of view and maybe that's not what was really happening in that room at all we have no idea but we do still see him like with the broken clock wanting to make sure she's you know her she's being taken care of um so I thought that was interesting and to be honest with you when he first came in the first thing I was getting was um psycho the classic version of psycho when the mother is sitting in the um, rocking chair in psycho like that's, that was the, (laughs) what I was getting from that. The vibe. Yeah. I remember when the episode aired, a lot of people were um, saying that that scene reminded them of that as well. And also again, when he makes, he makes a point to mention the clock is, you know, the clock is busted and not working anymore. So I'm kind of wondering is the clock some sort of hint to, if this is some sort of um, nod to Psycho, um, you know, is the mother even dead too? And the clock is kind of symbolizing that, yes, there is no longer, mm-hmm. no longer life or anything in this room. So interesting enough to see um, if any, for, you know, if we'll get, I don't know, a reveal on that sort. But yeah, um, I could see the Psycho um, elements to it as well. Yeah, I haven't seen I've that movie one- in forever. If maybe, and this is straying into fan theory territory, do you guys think if Darlene maybe did something to her mother to put her there? That Darlene did something? That she did something. Screwed with her medication. I don't know, because we're um, cap- we, we've seen what Darlene is capable of. Yeah. If she, yeah. If, if, I was... Actually, as I was watching the, re-watching the episode again um, before... Um, to prep for to prep for a recording, I was wondering that also. I was like, hmm, is it possible that she did something to put her there? Um, so yeah, like you said, we've seen that at this point she's capable of murder. So, I mean, it I wouldn't mean, surprise me if she did do something to put her there. Yeah, just speculate. You know, just. I mean, she has to have a lot of anger towards her mother. A lot. Yeah. So. Like Southern Cynic said, she seems like she could do anything. Mm. All right. Something to think about, guys. Um, So after they leave there, they um, end up at Cisco's. And we kind of see this um, the first time we see something's going on between Elliot and Mr. Robot. I just called it, they were glitching. So we saw at least um, a few times in this episode where Elliot is in one room and Mr. Robot is interacting with Cisco, interacting with Cisco and Darlene and Elliot is having trouble um, being present with Mr. Robot. What were you thinking when when you were seeing this happening in the episode, Southern Cynic? 
I was thinking that Mr. Robot has, he's finally free. That all of the interludes during the time that um, Elliot was in prison where he just lost time, those were practice runs for Mr. Robot. And now that he's out, he has learned this ability to push Elliot into this place where he cannot interact and that Mr. Robot has completely taken over and can set his plans in motion without Elliot realizing what's going on. And he, and I get that feeling because whenever he talks to Elliot about it, it just doesn't seem sincere, his concern about what's happening. Oh, it's like we're getting overheated. Oh, suddenly I was just here and you were in another room, you know, it just, I'm not convinced that Mr. Robot is as concerned about what's happening as Elliot is. I think he is the reason everything is happening. What do you think, Akira? Um, yeah, I think that if anything, it's definitely Mr. Robot um, taking over in some uh, in some form to uh, get things back in motion because um, I think Elliot. Um, has kind of wanted to slowly um, get back to living a, as quote-unquote normal life as possible. Um, but again, Mr. Robot's always had that um, tunnel vision focus of, okay, this is our, you know, we started something, we've got to finish it, you're wasting time. Um, and then, But then also him being in that situation where Darlene and Cisco are just arguing back and forth at each other it's like okay once again this is another situation where you guys are you know nothing's getting done you're interfering with you know we have a mission to complete why why the hell are you guys sitting here arguing about this um but yeah um i mean if anything i think that um maybe we could have maybe again that was probably you know mr robot asked Elliot, you know what just happened to us over there um I don't really think he'd be all that concerned or um, too worried if um, actually being able to split from Elliot, if he was actually able to do that. Um, you know, that way he would, you know, he wouldn't have to deal with, El you know, fighting with Elliot. He'd just be able to go on his own. So, um, yeah, but I think maybe, maybe the whole overheating thing is probably a you know, another battle between Mr. Robot and Elliot where Mr. Robot again is just, all right, we're out, we're in back in the world again. So, all right, let's get back to what we were doing. Um, but Elliot is kind of wanting to hold off a little bit. So that also, you know, that's one way that, um, that I at least looked at it um, pretty much um, with what was happening between uh, Mr. Robot being in one room and Elliot being in the bathroom. Yeah, and, and Mr. Robot alluded to this earlier in the season when he was threatening Elliot, um, saying, you know, that he would take over and Elliot would be in this limbo where he could see and hear, but he wouldn't be able to do anything. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, what we saw when Elliot was on the subway. And all of a sudden, Mr. Robot and Cisco are in another subway car and Elliot is locked in a, you know, locked in his own car and could barely get out. So Mr. Robot told him what he was going to do. And like you guys have said, 
um, about previous episodes that Mr. Robot was just playing Elliot, um, you know, cozying up to him, exploiting him, um, you know, exploiting a weakness in Elliot so he could basically take over. And I think in this episode, we're starting to see that be manifested, which is, you know, it's, it's a little bit scary for Elliot, but I think he, he might prevail, guys. So we see Mr. Robot start to take over. We see that um, Elliot initially tells Cisco that they want to find out what happens to Trenton and Mobley, and they're going to ask the Dark Army, which, you know, I don't even know why Cisco fell for that, because the Dark Army isn't going to talk about Trenton and Mobley if they were dead. They don't care. Um, and then Elliot decides to ask Cisco to set up a meet with the Dark Army to ask about stage two. Um, and that's where we got to see the whole subway thing. And we get to see over here a conversation about stage two. What do you guys think stage two is all about at this point? What are you thinking, Akira? Um, definitely thinking with this, um, uh, it has to do with, I think, um, essentially kind of cleaning house when it comes to evil corp, because, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the hack was able to, I think at this point, really the hack was only able to handle so much that I think that stage two was kind of going to be, all right, um, we can kind of kind of weak you know weak and evil corp but stage two is really gonna be when we really you know go in for the kill essentially and just completely take them down um so i mean of course not being able to think as you know in greater detail as elliot would about what stage two is but essentially yeah fin you know finishing the job completely of That's uh taking evil corp down that's a you may, you bring up a, a good point because Southern Cynic. Remember when Elliot was initially in the apartment, he was talking about he knew everyone's motives. He knew why he was doing it, Trenton Mobley, et cetera. But he doesn't know what the Dark Army's motivation was for participating in the hat. So if you are thinking about the Dark Army and thinking about White Rose. Minister Zhang, what what do you think stage two might be about? When I was watching it, I, I with all the violence that led up to this episode, I started thinking that maybe, I mean, just to back off what Akira was saying, that they were going to take down the rest of E-Corp, meaning they were going to take down Price. Mm -hmm. And I don't... I don't see Elliot having a, you know, I mean, with Elliot, he doesn't want to kill anybody, but I mean, what about Mr. Robot? That was his plan from the get-go. He was going to blow up everybody in Stone Mountain. Why wouldn't he want to just eliminate the CEO of the biggest corporation in the world and send a message that way? I, I don't, I couldn't fathom that stage two was going to be as simple as it turned out to be. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I was thinking they were going to, they, maybe they had some kind of hit list. Maybe they were going to go, as Akira said, you know, up the ladder and take people down one by one, um, either through scandal or by violence. 
That's interesting because and with the three trailer, I mean, we might be coming to that. I don't know. Yeah, that season three trailer still has me shook. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good point that while Elliot isn't doesn't show us that he's capable of certain things, we certainly know that Mr. Robot is definitely willing and capable of violence. And, you know, I was just thinking as we were talking about Elliot's mom and then we started talking about Mr. Robot, doesn't it seem like Mr. Robot is similar to Elliot's mom somewhat in just his aggression and his willingness to hurt Elliot and to, you know, like you said, blow up Stone Mountain. He seems much more similar to his mother's persona although he looks like his dad and that's something I haven't really thought about before what do you guys think about that um I don't know sometimes I wonder if maybe there's a side of Elliot that we haven't seen like he's only showing us these good memories of him you know but Maybe he wasn't, I mean, maybe his mom wasn't the only abuser in that family. We we really don't know. And with a psyche like that, Elliot could be pushing it to the back of his head and, and not even realize it. And it's just manifesting in his uh, delusion of his dad. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I could piggyback on what... Um, and agree with uh, Southern Cynic. I think that, um, I mean, we've seen certain aspects of his life that he has completely suppressed any memory of it at all. So, I mean, with that, you know, he's able to forget family members and we've seen him forget um, things, actions that he's taken out, you know, what, what we'll learn later on in this episode as it pertains to stage two. Um, so I think it's definitely possible that he, that he has done something, some further questionable things that we don't know about. And we maybe we don't know about them because uh, he's suppressed that memory completely, you know, kind of wiped, his, wiped it clear from his memory. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, Elliot's mind are trying to go through it, even as far as with the red wheelbarrow. It's a lot, but um but yeah, I mean, uh, definitely curious to learn if there, you know, what other actions, if there's anything else that Elliot has suppressed and he's just not letting us know or either maybe on purpose, he claims he's not, you know, he's not keeping anything from us anymore. Oh, um, so maybe are there any, yeah, but that is also a question of, are there any other moments that, um, you know, like when it was revealed that he is Mr. Robot. Um, is it possible that um, those are just also uh, memories of himself, memories of him, his past that he's just decided to suppress? And I think it's interesting that you said wipe the memory because we saw that in in season one, that that was part of his routine after he, you know, um, outed someone or hacked someone when he set the guy up at um, Ron's Coffee, he then went through the process of wiping all of the evidence, of wiping all of that out so there's no evidence of, of what he had done. So maybe 
like you said, that's what he's doing with his memories too. After he engages in, you know, certain behaviors, he just wipes it away because like you said, we know he can forget family members. He can do all these things with that amazing brain of his. So like you said, there might be all of these facets to Elliot that we just don't know about yet. Um, but we just talked about White Rose. We just talked about Price. So we need to talk about this wonderful, scary interaction we get to see this episode between White Rose and Philip Price. And it starts out with White Rose um, at a cemetery standing in front of the grave of the previous CEO of Evil Corps. And she basically reveals to us that um, she got rid of him because he was standing in her way. And then this leads up to a interaction between Minister Zhang and Philip Price. So um, Akira, what, what were you thinking when you saw this the first time? Well, um, knowing what we know of dark of the dark army and how many times Cisco has basically reminded us in case we forgot that, yeah, the dark army has no problem killing you without blinking an eye or, you know, any second thought of it. Um, so the fact that that happened, um, can't say I'm surprised, um, to see that that's how far white Rose will go. Um, but essentially you know, try to understand, you know, seeking to understand her motivations behind it. Um, and then also reading some interviews that B.D. Wong has done recently saying that, um, you know, that, that White Rose is a, um, she's someone that does these things. And to anyone else, these are things that is like, wait a minute, how could you be responsible for the plane crash that killed somebody? Um, but essentially, the end goal, you know, she does these things for what she believes is the greater good. So for her, that essentially was it. Um, you know, the, her, uh, I guess for her, this plant must stay open for the greater good. Um, you know, what that greater good is or what is going on in the plant. Um, hopefully we'll get closer to finding out what that is in season three. Um, but again, it just completely, in case you forgot, White Rose is not one to be fucked with. <laughs> you know, like don't you know? Um, you know, like you know, kind of putting to me of mine with a uh, Joan Crawford, Bobby Dears, don't fuck with me, fellas. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, do not piss off White Rose because she'll get you. Um, yeah, and yeah, she'll, yeah right. that's what I got right. from this. Yeah. And what about you, Southern Senate? We're just not gonna. We're just gonna gloss over the fact that she just tinkled on her enemy's grave. I mean, <laughs> and was looking fierce. While she did it too with that hair flip. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I was over to death. Ruthless doesn't give a damn. She would take you down. I love White Rose. Mm-hmm. For that being I said, my God, I I mean, for season three, if I mean, if it does not happen in season three. And I know that this has been put out there on social media. I would love for there to be a scene between White Rose and Joanna. I'm just saying. Mm. I don't know how it'll happen, but I just want to see those two in a scene together. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I am not ready for that. Oh, I hope it happens. 
Oh, Akira, you just like blew my mind just thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, as if my it hasn't been blown up enough with this show, but oh my God. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm hoping we get to see that soon. You know, it's not season three, maybe four or five, depending on. If the show no, we need it. We need it. Season three. Yeah. Now that you spoke it, we need it. <laughs> season three. We need it with the quickness. <laughs> I have to say, when Philip Price was trying to strong arm, strong arm Minister Zhang, you know, it's like he's trying so hard to bow up that it's almost to me. I was kind of laughing when he's talking about he's going to rain chaos, and all I could think about was. <laughs> You just wait. <laughs> you just wait and see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, if I had to choose a person to cross between White Rose and Philip Price, I'm going to choose to cross Philip Price every time because he just seems like someone who blows a lot of hot air, but I don't know if he has a lot to back it up with. I don't know. I just. Like you said, I am not going to F around with White Rose at all, at all. So that the, the, the head up between those two is always something I love to see on screen. I want to see more of it. But now I'm just completely focused on Joanna and White Rose because Akira, you just, I love that. I love that so much. Um so we talked about White Rose. I guess we need to get into Angela since that's who we are supposed to be talking about tonight. And we've talked about everybody else but Angela. So we get to see Angela's next move in risk management this week. She has, um, I don't remember even remember how she got the rubber ducky, but she is using the rubber ducky to steal um, Joseph Green's password to access his computer. Um, and I don't know if you guys caught this. So when she logs into Green's computer, did you guys catch some of the names of the files on his computer? Yep. Yeah. Thanks to um, thanks to screenshots on Reddit. Um, yeah, I caught that. <laughs> um, but yeah, she uh, she got the rubber ducky from Mobley um, when they were. Um, Train, teaching her how to hack, and uh, he gave that he gave the rubber ducky to her as a last resort. That uh, that's right. And if, if all else fails, just stick, find a computer, stick this in, and it will give us, you know, not what we actually, you know, not the holy grail of what we need, but it'll be enough to do something with. Uh, so yeah, but um, yeah, catching the name of some of those files. Yeah, it was interesting, and um, bringing up the question that wait a minute, um, because. The file name in question was uh, with uh, a file, um, instead of having it be E-Corp, it was Evil Corp. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Elliot is the only one that we know of that refers to it as Evil Corp. So a lot of people were questioning, um, wait a minute, this is being shown to us from Angela's perspective. So why is she seeing something as Evil Corp and not just E-Corp? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I mean... Either he's incredibly dumb. I mean, some of the files are um, misleading advertising, unintended side effects. Um, What else did he have? Unethical business practices. It's like, 
why would you use these names on these tiles? Maybe it was just the writers, you know, showing us how terrible this company is, but I was watching it with my hubs and I go, wait a minute, what did that say? So I had to pause it and go back. I didn't, like I told um, something, I've never been on Reddit in my life. So um, usually I'm pausing stuff. So, so Sutherland, what were you thinking? Did you catch some of the file names when you were watching it? What did you think about that? I caught some, but I think I was more focused on the main three files with uh, the Nebraska fracking. Mm -hmm. um, well, mm -hmm. Nebraska fracking was something, it was like four words or something, but um, that and the Flint water crisis, like, yeah, that makes total mm -hmm. sense that a corporation like that would be involved. Yeah. Total sense. Yeah, so mm -hmm. they, yeah, they're just doing everything horrible. They, they probably sent Hurricane Harvey too, knowing Evil Core. But um, so Angela makes a copy of all of these files, and she is, you know, we're assuming that this was her, her plan from the get go is to get to risk management so she can get copies of this file and turn evil core in because she promptly goes to the nuclear regulatory commission to give them all of the records and then um like we like to say things quickly went left for angela once she got there so so Southern Senate, what what were we thinking when um angela's been sitting there she's thinking I've done the right thing. I'm going to bring this company down and things get weird very quickly for her. What were you thinking? That as smart as Angela is, she's not very bright. <laughs> um, I just can't imagine if it was me. Getting all this information, running to this big office here with no copies or backups of the file that you want to, you know, blow this whole thing open with. You're going to give him your original and you're going to sit in that office because he told you to for hours because hours did pass. It was daylight yeah. when he left her. It was pitch black when that, um, who was the lady? Uh, when she finally, you know, um, this, uh, director or whoever she claimed to be actually showed up. Why would you put yourself in that situation knowing the people that you deal with on a daily day basis? She's, it's like she, she does things, she thinks, okay, this is the right thing to do, but she doesn't think it through before she does it and ends up getting herself in more trouble. I just... I know y'all like Angela, but sometimes <laughs> I worry boo-boo is just not all there. <laughs> but come on, she, she usually pulls it out. But she usually pulls it out in the end. In the end. But you need to go into it with all you have. You know, she's, she's not. And, and, and maybe it's just the writers, you know, doing this. But it, I just... I just wish she had thought this out. You know, there were maybe other means of doing this. And, and now you have the FBI, you have E-Corp on your behind, and possibly the dark arm. We don't know. All because you didn't plan effectively. You're rushing into things. 
This is how people end up disappeared and dead. Disappeared, thrown into dark cells, <laughs> like um, picked up, what did Dom say? Snatched off the streets and thrown into a dark cell. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Akira, what did you think of, I mean, I wouldn't have sat anywhere for hours. And do, aren't you supposed to get a lawyer if you're going to be a whistleblower? Do you just show up without an appointment with evidence? Is that how it goes? Um, well, I'm going to give Angela benef- uh, some benefits of the doubt here. Um, because, I mean, pretty much, uh, pretty much part of the course, if that is the expression I'm looking for. But, yeah, um, um, one, you know, another situation where, um, you know, I think Angela is just gonna constantly, for better or worse, be that character that people question motives, um, that people continue to underestimate. Um, but I think, I think if anything, I think on some level, I think Angela could represent us as the audience, like, okay, kind of, well, what would you do if you were in that situation? Um, you know, I think because also sometimes she's going with emotion where, you know, I think she, you know, she got hit with a lot by seeing the, you know, all those files and everything and just thinking, oh my God, I have this, I have this. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give Angela the benefit of the doubt that maybe, just maybe, she talks to the law- to that lawyer lady that she's been off and on working with whatever mm-hmm. um, about what she found. So I'm going to give her that benefit that even though we didn't see it, maybe she did before she went all the way down there. Um, and then, yeah, to be waiting there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I have that much patience to be waiting. I think only few instances I've had to wait that long for anything. And yeah, I, I like to keep those instances down to a small number, but yeah, I mean, that takes a lot of patience. I don't know if I have that much, but, um, yeah. And then also just to see her wait there and then to be led down this hall. Um, I mean, I kind of was getting almost, um, a good fellas type of feel where this lady is leading her down and just telling her, Oh no, you just come into this room. You know, it's just me and my, me and um, me and my colleagues. And then she looks and it's like, yeah, no, I'm going to go the other way now. Um, so that's almost kind of the vibes it was giving me again. Um, with watching it. And then, um, you know, I think at that point, the closer, the further down, the further she walks down the hall with this lady and she's asking these questions. Oh, so-and-so said there'd be anonymity. And then, um, this lady's kind of just is overstepping, you know, not even really giving much um, confirmation or registering or giving her any kind of solid answers to the things that she's asking about. Oh, yes, that's fine. But then, yes, that's an option. But then we need to do this and this and that. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll get to that later. And um, but yeah, I think also like Elliot, when he when we see him starting to realize the severity or, or like the reality setting in, I mm-hmm. think that in that case with Angela, we um, it's kind of a mirroring effect there where we're starting to see, okay, this is reality. Like, hold on, I'm not, you know, like wait, there's something. Maybe this is one part of it that I did not intend to, and let me get out of this as soon as I, you know, as soon as possible. Um, but unlike Elliot's situation where he's realizing the severe, uh, the reality, I mean, I guess for him, his way of getting out of it was to envision everything like his uh, childhood home. And then with Angela, essentially getting out of it is to turn away and run 
as fast as you can, or at least walk, in her case, just walk really fast away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, but also with this, I mean, I've said, I think I've said on, in, on one of our episodes or maybe somewhere else that um, for me, um, I tend to notice some, simil- you know, certain similarities between Elliot and Angela. So again, kind of seeing that, again, continue with this one where, again, they're putting themselves in these situations where only as the stakes get higher do they seem to realize, okay, reality is setting in a little bit too much for me here. Yeah. So, be- because, so that was that. Because speaking of reality, Dom decides to drop by to give Angela a reality check. And, you know, Dom is so dumb. She shows up with, she says she got her her favorite meal, and then she promptly begins to eat it in front of her. It's like, how are you going to bring me dinner and then sit down at my dining room table and eat it? Okay. But Tom uh-huh. <laughs> is so dumb. So she does that and basically lays her cards on the table about, you know, the fact that Ollie spilled his guts to the FBI. They've been tracking her. Um, and really encouraging her to let them know what she's been doing. And Angela is suspicious of Dom and asks, are you one of them? And I wonder who does, who does Angela think them is? Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just have to kind of wonder when we use these, pronouns such as them and earlier we heard white rose and price you know talking about her which we assume is angela but anytime someone is using pronouns i'm always wondering is it who i think they're talking about or is it someone completely different so southerson what what were you thinking when dom just shows up out of the blue knocking on angela's door she got some bold nerve. I mean, Dom and her just her ability to just shake down your walls and your defenses and blast through them. I I love her little talent for that. Not only does she show up with a sandwich, it's Angela's favorite sandwich, and I could just be like standing at the door, like, "How do you know all of this? Who are you? Why are you in my life?" you know, what's happening here. But the whole time Dom's talking to her and she has this goat in the headlights look in her face, you can actually see Angela shaking. So kudos to the actress for that. I, she, she really played that thing. But um, I, I, just, I just enjoy how Dom can break you down. And the, the seeing the two of them stand there together, um, it's, just makes me wonder if they are going to be the ones butting heads the most in season three. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, just from the trailer, you know, we we think that's Angela in the mask going through the building and everything. And then we have Dom coming through this same type of scene, you know, with a gun. So I just wonder if they're going to be butting heads, you know, in season three. I don't know. But I, I got that feeling that they're setting up something there to mm. be between um, two of them. Something else to look forward to. 
So we need to we need to talk about Angela because we promised we would go um, in depth about Angela, and we talked about Angela a little bit last week, Southern Cynic, when we were talking about Darlene, and we were just talking about the relationship with Elliot and Angela, and then there's this, um, you know, closeness between Elliot and Angela. And we were wondering, how does that play out with Darlene? And just thinking about, you know, the fact that Angela and Elliot, they all became friends because of the tragedy with their parents. And it kind of morphed into this longstanding relationship. We know that Angela is the one who helped Elliot get his job at um, AllSafe. We know that Angela spent a lot of time with them growing up. And just thinking about how all of these experiences that she's had have shaped her into the person that we're seeing um, currently. So, Southern State, so Angela is not your favorite character. I feel like that's safe to say. So, what are some of your thoughts about Angela? Uh, I, I just. I don't know where I completely fall with Angela. It's she has me on a teeter totter. You know, I'm I'm rooting for her because she seems like she's strong. She shows herself to be capable. She eventually gets herself out of these situations. She's smart enough to see herself through, but then she does things that makes me question if she has common sense and. I know you can say that about anybody, but I want her to be better than that. You know, I, it's just hard for me to root for her every episode when she takes two steps forward and does something ridiculous and ends up sending herself three steps back and putting herself in danger. So I have a love-hate relationship with Angela. But don't you think it's complicated? I need a t-shirt that says it's complicated. But don't you think Angela from season one is so different from the Angela we're seeing in season two? Like, I feel like of all the characters, she's the most different this season. Um, We really are seeing her respond to what she's gone through with Ollie um, revealing that they've been hacked, the fact that her um, and her father were put in danger because of what he did, her having to make this hard decision to put the disc in the computer and, in effect, help out with the hack, although she didn't initially know what she was doing. And now we see her this season dealing with those, the repercussions of her actions. Um, and she just feels like a completely different person this season, um, much more than than anybody else. What are your What are your thoughts on Angela, Akira? Hmm. Well, um, Angela, Angela definitely is different in season two than we see in season one. Um, well, we start to see. Um, the changes in her um, in season one where we see 
um, the first from the first episode. Um, she's this character that people completely walk all over. Um, that doesn't really have a voice. Um, or even when she tries to, you know, assert herself and use her voice, she gets immediately, you know, put back in her, put back in her place. Um, but then again, we we see her able to, despite being knocked down, able to just completely not only stand up, but completely have one over the people who knocked her down. So in season one, that was um, Colby, um, since he had her kicked off the, kicked, uh, demoted, kicked off the uh, evil corp account and whatnot and everything. So she was able to turn the tables around on him and impre- apparently impress, and impress, impress him enough that he's like, hmm, I see something in you that probably would um, be, you know, let me go ahead and recommend you for a job at Evil Corp. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, so he, she's able to surprise people. And I think that that's one of the things I love about why people um, tend to, even the even other characters in, in the show, underestimate her because she's able to surprise them and completely show that, no, whatever your first impressions are, think again. Um, so then... Um, but towards the end of season two, I mean, once again, we're, you know, well, not the end of, end of season two, end of season one, where we see that she has taken the job of Evil Corp and you're thinking, you know, you might be thinking, okay, how is she going to survive in this environment? Because all safe was one thing, you know, Evil Corp is like um, basically stepping into the lion's den or um, the gladiator's den and like yeah. being thrown to the wolf, essentially. So how is she going to survive in that environment? And so we've seen in season two in the beginning where she has completely brainwashed herself with these affirmations. And so far they seem to be working for her. Um, so even when we now at this point don't see her saying them, I think that I think that it can be said that even though we don't physically see her say it, um, you got to be thinking that in her thought process as she's going through these motions, like maybe when she was, in this episode in particular, sitting in that guy's office and everything, thinking those affirmations through her head um, to kind of get her through whatever situation she's put herself in now. Um, yeah. And I think, even, yeah, with that said, yeah. I think even before the affirmations, we saw a couple instances in season one where Angela starts to, you know, think about herself differently Um, So there was this Mm -hmm. interaction between her and Shayla in season one when she's trying to make the decision about the the disc. And she goes Mm -hmm. to see Elliot and he's not there. She ends up hanging out with Shayla. And Shayla basically tells her she needs to trust herself. And then later in season one, I'm sorry, Shayla tells her to put herself first. And then later Mm -hmm. in season one, Elliot tells her she needs to trust herself And you kind of see, you know, that's when Angela does start to show us outwardly that she is becoming stronger, that maybe she is putting Mm -hmm. herself first in front of other people. And you definitely get that this season where, you know, we weren't quite sure what is she doing? What is the end game with her? And she's slowly revealing it because she is trusting herself and kind of putting herself first and what she wants, which is to 
get vindication for her family by exposing what they were doing with this project um, and really not involving anyone in it. Um, not Darlene, not Elliot. She's completely doing this on her own as opposed to what Elliot has done, which is involve all these folks in his attempt to vindicate his family and take down this conglomerate. So you, you kind of have to give Angela props for, you know, doing it independently and not bringing other people into her mess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Definitely because, um, you know, like you said, we've been able to pretty much see her do this essentially on her own for the most part. And yeah, um, Shayla, both Shayla and Elliot um, kind of mirror each other in the advice that they give her. Um, so trust yourself and, you know, only worry about yourself. Like, see, you know, put yourself first. Um, so I think that that's also, I guess, another affirmation or sort of piece of um, advice that she could also constantly be telling herself. Um, even though we don't, again, see it or hear it. Um, I think that that's probably something that she will, that she does keep in the back of her mind that both, um, Shayla said, worry, you know, look in the mirror where, you know, that's the only person you should worry about. And then Elliot's saying, trust yourself. Um, so, um, but yeah, but it definitely does say something that, wait a minute, Angela was able to basically take care of this on her own without your help. Um, so and also even even when there are situations where we kind of see um, Angela, where we're kind of thinking, "Ooh, girl, no, what is you doing?" You know, it somehow kind of turns around to and become a situation where it ultimately ends up benefiting her, which we'll kind of see later on in this in the season. Mm -hmm. um, next, uh, what two episodes or so? I think I think maybe next episode. I don't know if it's next episode yeah. okay. or I don't know if it's episode 10 or episode 11. Well, it's, it's right around okay. the so corner one of, either one way. Of the two. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So Southern Cynic, did you, maybe, I, maybe it's just me. I didn't realize that evil core, that that was like company housing that Angela was living in this, this entire season um, until Dom mentioned it in episode nine. Like, do you think like they've been, bugging her because I mean it seems like that would be something they would do is have surveillance on their employees living in their corporate housing had you thought about anything like that with her mm -hmm. not anything that deep I mean I figured maybe yeah they put her up there um and they're paying for it especially after the hack I could imagine they would do that for their higher level employees but I never thought about, hey, yeah, maybe they're surveilling these people, you know, and now it's really jumping to my mind with her staring at all the cameras and everything um, while she was walking down that hallway, but, huh, I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't put it past Philip Price to have little mini cameras in there, you know, as creepy as he is with her. He is really creepy with her. So, um, Southern Cynic, last week was the episode when she was singing karaoke and she's at the bar. And <laughs> she's at the bar and she picks up this older gentleman. And um, Akira and I had a conversation about did we think she just liked old dudes 
or did we think this guy was going to be important in the future? So do, do you think Angela like likes older men because we weren't sure if she was just playing price or maybe she, maybe she likes gray haired gentlemen. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Um, and I want to say maybe she has daddy issues, but she seemed like she had a good relationship with her dad in the first season. But, of course, that turned around. So that could be manifesting in her choice in men. But she was with that brother for a while. And he was young. She strung him along. I mean, he was just a means to an end. I just feel like I can't believe, uh, not to the uh, not to the extent of Elliot, but definitely season two, Angela, I feel like I don't know what her motives are about anything. And I don't off, always trust what she's doing because she, like Elliot, doesn't tell us everything. And we kind of have to wait for her to reveal stuff on her timetable. So it's like, I don't know why she was with that dude. I don't know why she did X, Y, and Z, but, oh, look, it turned into this. So Angela, I have to give her props that she really is very much one of the few characters we see who's just completely independent and doing things on her own. And I just have to give her respect for that. Yeah, most definitely. Mm -hmm. um, um, and then as far as the question of does she like older guys, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't I want to say that it's almost too easy to say that, okay, well, maybe she just likes older dudes. Um, but because also maybe it's a question of how do we know that that guy wasn't planted to maybe to pick her up in some way, shape, or form, like we end up finding out about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the now FBI, the guy who reveals this was FBI all along. Um, but now, I mean, but if that's the case, and we have that question, if we kind of give that, entertain that question a bit, and then it's, uh, you know, kind of going further down that rabbit hole, I'm thinking, okay, well, who sent him or anything like that? Mm -hmm. um, because we all, I mean, I think we all pretty much can agree that Mr. Robot is not, that is not the type of show that will just, introduce um a care introduce a character and then not really and just have it be oh he, he oh here's a guy with no name no this has got to be somebody that has some type of purpose i mean maybe that could be the case since we did see it with well up until this point we have seen it with the uh the guy that uh shot and killed gideon mm -hmm. um but yeah, but I just yeah, but I just want to think that I just want to continue to think that Mr. Robot is a show that um, if it even goes to the point of fully on like introducing like introducing somebody that's speaking to a, a major character that you know there's going to be something further down the line with it. Um, so I'm curious to see, but may, yeah, I mean I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, could he be someone that was planted by somebody else? Who knows? Yeah, like we said, we, we, we will probably see him in season three, probably in like the last episode. Like, oh, there's that dude. But um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the evolution of Angela even more in season three. Um, we're going to continue to see some things that are going to go on with her at the end of this season. She has a big episode coming up. 
Um, and yeah, we're excited for season three, Angela, as well. Um, so I think we've gotten through the whole episode. The only other thing is the I think the last scene um, in this episode is that Joanna rolls up on um, Elliot. So we'll get to see some Joanna in the next episode, which we always love. And um, I guess um, we will have Joanna or let me see who's left or Dom to talk about for our next podcast. So we can do that. Um, so for the shout out tonight, we just want to remember everyone who is going through um, the hurricane down in Texas and just encouraging people, if you would like to donate, to think of some reputable um, organizations to donate to. Um, first choice should always be um, smaller local agencies, um, food banks and such in the Houston area. Um, I believe Southern Cynic said that GoFundMe um, has a page set up with a list of places that you can donate to um, to support those um, people um, dealing with the hurricane right now. So they still have a lot that they are going to go through. And I think um, all of us ladies have de dealt with um, some natural disasters in our, our own lives. So we definitely feel for the folks um, down there in Houston. That's just a, a terrible, terrible situation. And, um, you know, our thoughts are, are with those and those who are there to support them. So, so yeah, but um, we will be back next week to talk about episode 10. And um, you can find me on Twitter at Cetaline, C-T-A-L-E-E-N. I think I just misspelled my Twitter handle, y'all. That's how tired I am. <laughs> at C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N. Lord, we all need to go to bed. Um, Southern Cynic, tell them where can they find you. You can find me on Twitter at Southern Cynic. All right. And Akira. And they can find me on Twitter at HelloFriend, H3LL0. F-R-I-3-N-D-1. All right. And you can find this podcast on Twitter. Um, you can find us on Twitter. You can follow us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And remember, we are part of the At Brothers Comic family of podcasts. And we will see you all next week. Good night, ladies. Good night. Y'all. Percocet, Miley Percocet, Miley Percocet, Rep the set.